Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Greetings in Jesus' name. A Merry Christmas to you all. God bless you. Amen. All right. So uh, I believe December 4th, all right, uh, a team of uh, 11 uh, members of this church uh, joined me in Uganda. I was already there a week. Uh, a week before them, uh, to go serve, uh, you know, as short-term missionaries, uh, mainly at Caring uh, Her Breakthrough Ministry, who has an orphanage uh, that uh, housing over 300 uh, orphans. Uh, yeah, and we got a chance to serve them. We got a chance to bless them. Uh, we also got a chance to learn a lot from them. Uh, we were blessed. We were a blessing. Uh, so these are some of the team members. I uh, just want them to... Uh, so I, I like them to share their experience, uh, just to, you know, at least uh, talk about what happened in a nutshell. Uh, so we thank God for your life. Okay, so how are you all doing? How many are still jet-lagged out of you? <laughs> All right, Uganda is uh, eight hours ahead of us, so it's quite a quite a bit of a change, amen. Uh, so two of them went for the first time. Uh, who are the people who went for the first time? So we have Chichi and Tani. That was their first time uh, going on a mission trip and going to specifically also to Uganda. Uh, the other two, two, Minister Norma and Karen, they are veterans. They've been there. <laughs> They've been there from the beginning. Well, I think I would like to ask uh, Lisa, Tenny, and Chichi to share what moved you to go to this uh, uh, this trip. Um, so I just uh, they announced it in church, and um, I've known like from when I was a kid that I love to help children. Uh, my mom always brags that about me. Every African parent brags about their kids, right? So that's the one thing she always said, that she, you, you, you say you want to help kids. So I felt that this was a way for me to help children that we consider less privileged and um, those that have been abandoned um, by their biological parents one way or another. Um, so that was, that was what prompted me to go. I have... It's outside my comfort zone. I decided to take that leap. That's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, Chichi is relatively new. When did you join Agape? Officially this year. All but right. I started coming on and off since 2019. Okay. All right. So you're very new. And uh, how about Tenny? So what moved you to go? You are a late uh, decider. <laughs> you so. literally decide, you decided like a week before or something like that. All right. Church and I'm like, I'm not going. But then Karen here kept calling me every day. Tenny, you have to come. You have to come. I said, Karen, I'm not going. And then she kept calling every day and she said something. She's like, I don't want you to just experience it from what other people are saying. Come experience it for yourself and then determine how it is for you. And then it was like less than two weeks. Um, Dr. Nyoma already bought the tickets. And then I asked Pastor Judy, and I'm like, can I still come? He's like, yeah, come, come. So in two, less than two weeks, I was able to get all my stuff together, and we were ready to travel. That's yeah. good. That's good. All right. That's good. <laughs> so I will ask uh, the veteran. Obviously, Minister Nyoma is the head of our mission ministry. <laughs> all right. Uh, you have uh, a two-year-old and uh, how many months? Six months old. And you left both of them for your husband. I think... Uh, Shout if... out to my husband, by the way. You're, you're amazing. You're amazing. I think he might be the real missionary. <laughs> Taking care of them by himself. <laughs> so what, what kept you going? You've gone there now since 2018. And uh, you kept going. So I liked you and Karen to share. What kept you that motivated to go back? At least I'll start from you, Norma. I think for me, it's a couple of different things. Um, I've always known 
that God has been leading me to go out to serve um, either ministry trips or even mission trip is just a call he's placed in my heart for years. And every time I, I can't stay comfortable in disobedience, you know, it, it just doesn't work with my relationship with God. And so I, my prayer to God was when this time came up here, last two years we had COVID and this year, as I was talking to God and my, my prayer to him was, before I even told my husband about it, I said, Lord, if you make a way, I will obey and I will go. And so that was, that was my, my prayer to him in my private time. And then I mentioned it to my husband and I said it so casually that, you know, he's like, of course you're going. What do you mean? Yeah. He's like, this is your passion. This is what you love to do. I'm here to support you. I was like, so that was like another, another, I guess, check mark to say, yes, yes, this is going. And, and every time I go, every time I obey God in general, but every time particularly I go on a mission trip, I come back changed. My family can see it. I can see it. There's something that changes on the inside of me. For me, there's, there's clarity, you know. God speaks to me, gives me purpose. Sometimes there's also like peace concerning some certain situations, but I think I'm going there to give and to serve, and I come back so full. So every time there's an opportunity to do it, I'm like, God, yes, I'm going. Let's do this all right that's good praise god all right karen what kept you going you i think for me um is because my heart's response to god is yes you know um it's interesting because before i went on a mission trip i didn't have a job for six months but you know before the year started the lord had already told me mission trip so like i had already written it down i was just aware that you know um i was embarking on a mission trip this year and um, for me, it's just the impact that we make in the lives of these ones. It's a seed of love. You know, um, you may feel as though that is that all we're going to offer to these kids and how is that going to make an impact? But little do we know that this seed is, you know, germinating, is being watered, you know, daily. And um, it makes a difference in the lives of these ones because we are being the hands and feet of Jesus. So, yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. That is, that is awesome. That is awesome. All right, so I'm going to ask a general question. Uh, I will ask, I think I'll ask maybe a couple of you to at least to respond to that. What was your highlight of, the, of your time there? We were there for a week. We experienced quite a bit of, uh, we lost our bags. Uh, <laughs> had to go to, you know, the airline lost our bags. I'm, I'm not going to mention the airline. <laughs> this has been live streamed. <laughs> so, so. Uh, we, you know, we recovered them. It was a lot of ups and downs, you know. I mean, obviously, jet lag, 12-hour uh, day, uh, work day, pretty much. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a lot. But I would ask, what impacted you the most? Or what was your highlight, really, of your time in Uganda? Who wants to go first? All right. Okay, I think for me, um, it was just being among the children. Um, this time was really different for me because, you know, even in those moments of just walking around and everything, just whether serving in the medical missions, you know, a child would just walk up to you and just ask you if you can pray for me. Um, I, I think that really, really touched me because I think compared to the years um, back of the missions that we did, like I've never, ever experienced that. For a child to come to you and just ask, can you pray for my mother and my father, my father to come back home? Or, you know, when I look at you, you remind me of my mother who passed away in a car accident. You know, it's really, really touching and it, it just makes a difference. Like, it gives you a fresh perspective and a heart of gratitude on a different level. Um, so that is all that I have to say. Any, anyone else want yeah, to? Sure, I can go. So I think the, us being, this is the third time um, Agape House of Worship uh, as a team, we've gone to Uganda. Part of my highlight was to see the progression over the years, right? When we first went there in 2019, 2018 was the first trip, right? 2018, the first trip, um, the children were eating once a day, every single child. They didn't have beds. Some of them didn't have mattresses. They were on the floor um, with like maybe like a piece of whatever cloth thin, flimsy cloth on the floor, and they were all, like, bunched up together. 2019, okay, we started making some progress. By the time we went back this year, every single child had a mattress. 
every single child, they had a space. I mean, they, the space, of course, is limited, so they make do with what they, they have. They had this bunk bed. Some of them were like three bunk beds. And that way, even in that small limitation of a hall they had, they were able to give each child that. They didn't have showers. They didn't have a place, an official bathroom, you know. It was just like in the open air, and they just do what they need to do. But by the time we went back this year, thanks to your general support, they had... A bath. This is the boys. The girls were still working on. The boys actually had a place they could call a bathroom. So just seeing that and the park, and then the, the kids, they make it all worth it. Like there is a reason why Jesus said, "If you are like these little children, you can come to me." They they're so full of joy, so full of happiness, so much gratitude. You can't be sad around those kids. Like you can't look at them and and all whatever you think that is weighing down you down just goes away, and you're just just so moved. So the kids definitely make it worth, uh, worth it. That was one of my highlights. Another highlight that I have is actually the amazing team that God sent on this mission trip. I call them the God-ordained team. They made every single second of the trip memorable. Um, I got to see different personalities. All the things you're seeing here in church, it's a whole different story altogether from when we're together 12 hours a day for over eight days, right? Um, and they made leading so much easy, like they no one, everyone was just came with an attitude, attitude to serve. And um, for me, just getting to know them better, bonding with each one of them individually just really made the trip very memorable. Wow. I'm going to ask uh, Chichi and Tani to kind of say, what was your expectation going uh, when, you know, before you went? What, what, what was in your mind? What was your expectation? And how was the reality of being there? How did he compare or how does he compare with your expectation? So, uh, I guess, well, I've, it's a tough question because I've lived uh, more than half of my life here in the U.S., um, born and raised in Nigeria. But when, when, when you see um, poverty in Nigeria or, you know, orphans in Nigeria and you see what they show you on the American television, Sometimes there's a discrepancy, you know. So I think I was expecting more of what we see on televisions with, you know, children with flies perched all over their faces, with boils everywhere. Um, sorry to say this, but smelly areas, like just completely, you know, abandoned people. And not just the children themselves, but those taking care of them. And I didn't expect when I got there that I would see, like, they knew the names of these children. They, they loved them like their own, um, the, the matrons, the nurses, everyone, you know, you could see that their heart and soul was in it. And they didn't, they, they looked like they were cared for as much as they could, you know, do it within what, within the means that they had. But I didn't, I didn't expect them to, to be that loved, if that makes sense. I didn't expect them to be that much cared for. Um, with the little that they had, and they were pouring in um, into these children, it was it was amazing. Um, for me, I uh, my expectation. I didn't go with a lot. I went with very little expectation. I'm like, I'll go as the wind blows. Um, so that was that was. I went there with like, okay, whatever they need me to do, I will do. So. Um, so I went there and I'm like, oh my gosh, these children are so happy. Like, they are so full of joy. They are so energetic. We are singing. They are also singing. They are dancing. Um, Karen's class actually taught us a few dances. Um, they were so full of joy and they were so happy. Like, it's, it's amazing. It was, I don't know, it exceeded my expectation. And the 12 hours wasn't even exhausting. We came back and we were like, okay, let's have dinner together. <laughs> yeah, we were so happy to be together. So I'll ask one more question to go around. How has the trip changed you as a person? Uh, because sometimes, I mean, we obviously, we travel far. We want to be a blessing, uh, which we were, uh, clearly. Uh, but has this trip impacted you personally and changed you? And if so, how has it? Okay, so since I've been letting everybody go first, I'll go first this time. So the trip has changed... Um, a lot. So, um, for one, it's it's um, I'm definitely more grateful for the things that I have, because I don't know. There's so many things that we take for granted. 
Um, another thing that I would mention, I care more about oral hygiene. Like, please, everybody, oral hygiene is very important. Um, I, I love teeth. Since then, was her assignment to the medical mission. So since then, every time she goes to class, she tells each child, did you brush your teeth today? Did you brush your teeth today? Yes. It was amazing. Oral Overnight. Overnight. I became a dentist. Um, yeah, like oral hygiene is big. Um, oh, I forgot the question. Okay. How has the trip impacted you? And then also, I'm more grateful for my parents. Like, I came back and they missed me. I was so happy. <laughs> so that's it. All right. So let's move on. Chichi, how has this trip changed? Uh, it has changed my taste buds. Uh, the fruits there, very fresh, <laughs> okay? And the sugar cane was great. But uh, more deeply, um, in, in addition to gratitude, it has um, kind of emboldened me a little bit. Um, it's standing in front of the children and speaking to them, um, it's, it really helped me. I feel like when, when you say go, go, go into the world, you know, the Great Commission, I think this is a way to... I don't want to say practice that, but this is a way to start if you don't know how to start. And I feel like this kind of gave me a gateway to like, okay, no matter how nervous or however you feel about speaking to people about Christ, um, just seeing how they accepted it, say, no matter what the other person, you know, whether they're accepting or not accepting, it's given me that gateway to be a little bit more emboldened to speak about Christ to people. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I want everybody to speak on this. Yeah, okay. Karen. I think for me, it has changed um, my life in that perspective of just, you know, continuing to, like, you know, to serve. You know, as believers, sometimes it gets to a point in our lives when we get weary, we get tired, and you feel that, you know, what is the point of doing this? And, you know, what is the benefit? What am I going to get out of this? But these orphans don't have anything. But that which we gave unto them means everything to them. This is love, love that sometimes we take for granted, love that we think is just nothing, um, means so much to these ones. So for me, it's just that reminder to continue to love, continue to outpour love, um, continue to be a reflection of Christ unto these ones because I just remember those moments even in the night, you know, how the kids would just be walking down and they would just say, Good evening, Auntie KK. That was my name when I was in Uganda. And um, it was amazing because in the midst of the dark, they can identify us. And, you know, um, just looking at even the letters that they wrote to me, you know, about love and how we showed love unto them. This is something that sometimes we take for granted. So continue to be a reflection of Christ and continue to speak of him that others will come to the knowledge of him. All right. Amen. Okay. So I'm going to have Norma speak to, uh, uh, obviously, the need over there. Uh, number one, this year, I mean, we took the, I think, fewest number of people. Uh, our goal was 15. Uh, we ended up with 11 people. Obviously, there were a lot of logistical problems, Ebola scare. Uh, a, a few people who were supposed to go couldn't go. Some people got sick. All in all, I think maybe we lost three people that could have joined us, so we should have been 14 with me, 15. Uh, but I think there's more need there. Yeah. I actually think we probably can use 20 people, uh, uh, you know, for the work there, for the amount of work uh, we saw. How many kids did we see for medical mission? Uh, at least 353. So 353 yeah. were... Basically, 353 kids had medical checkup mm -hmm. and dental checkup, yes. uh, and that. And uh, how many kids were in the VBS? About 352. So the same 350 went through teachings. What the same thing we did for our kids here during the summer uh, totally impacted them. So who can go? I think there's a lot of mis misconception. Uh, do I have to be a doctor? Do I have to be a nurse? Do I have to be an expert uh, children's ministry teacher? Are there opportunities for anybody? Can you, maybe you can speak to that a little no, absolutely. bit. Absolutely. I think anybody with a heart of service can go. Anybody who wants to say yes to God can go. Um, that's all that is needed. Um, 
Regarding the medical mission support, even for people who don't have any kind of medical training or expertise, they can assist with other things uh, such as registration, just helping the traffic with the flow of things. Uh, Pastor B was assigned to the Zozo station at the end. She prayed for every single child, 353 of them. Um, well, Pastor joined her for some of it, but yeah, she was. So there are, there are different. Even when we do the medical missions part, everyone without a medical training is assigned to something. And Sister Stefania was doing uh, the temperature checks at the beginning. So there's a role for everyone. Um, for the VBS section, I don't work with kids um, in terms of the children's ministry. Half of the team have never been to the children's ministry. But there was, as long as you come to say, just, Lord, you want to use me. I'm saying yes to you. Come with an open heart. There's room to serve. And also, Zozo ministers, our Pushami team. So every day when we finish the VBS in the morning, medical missions in the afternoon, then we join the conference that is going on. And wow, that's also an amazing time. We had people who were healed, people with pain for a long number of years. Someone had vision problems, they were healed. Back pain problems, they were healed. So, And during that time, Pastor calls on the rest of the team to help pray for people. People were... Um, learning their prayer, receiving the prayer language for the first time. So there is, and there is all of that going on. And so I, I think the 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 way that I believe that we'll move forward in is having a separate, you know, people do different things at the same time, you know, so that it's not the team who's been serving all day that is going on to lay hands on people at the end. You're so exhausted. We do it with strength and grace from the Holy Spirit. But yes, it will be amazing to have more people join us so that some people can be ministry in the morning, some people in VBS, and then we switch. We have a lot of time for rest. So yes, if you want to go, I mean, the answer to should I go on a mission trip, the answer is always yes, you know. Just put it in your heart and ask God, Lord, make a way for me to go. And you can save the date for now. For now, tentatively, the date is the first Sunday uh, in December next year. And we come back the Tuesday after. So those are the dates. If you need to ask for vacation time from work, you need to make arrangements with family, now is the time. But be part of what's going on in Uganda. You won't regret it, I promise you. Amen. Yeah. I mean, there are, we need people to do even logistics. Set up, breakdown. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot. There's plenty of work to do. It's an amazing uh, work for a week, you know, to be able to do put this together. So, mission is for everyone, uh, and I think uh, you know uh, it was it was a it was a wonderful thing to serve, and we thank God for what He did. Let's put our hands together for the team again, as they go back to their seats. God bless you. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. God is good. So by God's grace, uh, next year, can you come and grab this? Uh, help me to grab this. Oh, no, I am. Don't worry. Thank you. All right. So by God's grace, next year, we will, you will hear the announcement. Uh, like we said, you know, you can be part of uh, what God is doing. I think uh, experiencing this should be the desire of every believer. Uh, is really an opportunity to, uh, to make an impact and to be a blessing. Amen. Can we put our hands together again? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Praise Jesus. God is good. And all the time. Amen, amen, amen. Can we pray? Father, we thank you. Lord, we honor you. For who you are, you are an amazing God. You are wonderful in all your ways. What a good God you are. We bless you. We honor you. We thank you for this season of Christmas. Thank you for reminding us by, with this season of the great sacrifice for us. The great love you have for us that you demonstrated by sending your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we honor you. We bless you. We thank you, even as we celebrate this season, that we will have perspective and understanding of who you are, of what you have done. And I pray as I speak today, 
that you will use me greatly to be a blessing to your people. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. God is good. It's good to be back. Merry Christmas to you all. Amen. So I have a few announcements that I will make. Uh, by God's grace, next Sunday is our Christmas Sunday. It's, it's actually Christmas. So we will be you know, having our Christmas service. So I want to, you to invite your friends, invite everyone you know to be part of that wonderful service. But, also, but on the 24th, which was the Christmas Eve, we're going to have a show here. We're going to have a production. And the production is going to be by our creative art ministry, which is our dance, worship, uh, drama. They are putting together an amazing production called The Purpose. Amen. Uh, the Purpose is going to be an amazing, an amazing experience. So I want you to please uh, come there. Invite your friends, share the, you know, it's on social media, I'm sure you've gotten the email, share it with everyone so everyone can be blessed through it, amen. Also, I want you to make a note of it, January 1st, January 1st is a Sunday. <laughs> Hallelujah. January 1st is a Sunday. And what does that mean? So we're going to have a service, uh, but there's going to be a crossover service, all right, that pushes us a little bit. So by God's grace, we are changing the time of the service to 12 noon, all right? Yeah, so, so we're going to change the service to 12 noon. So our Sunday service on January 1st will be 12 to 2, all right? Praise Jesus. Somebody say, what? <laughs> Is that Randy saying, what? <laughs> Hallelujah. So, so at least just to allow people to rest, you know, and to be, to be part of that. So please make sure you, 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 you note that. This Wednesday will be the last Bible study of the year. So there are... The following week, we're going to cancel the Bible study, so please make sure you take a note of that. So if you have been wanting to attend uh, one Bible study, <laughs> all right, this is the Bible study to, to make sure you, you're there, okay? All right, so God is good and all the time, okay. All right, so we're going to go into the message today. Today I'm going to share briefly, because of time, it's going to be a very short message. And I know some of you are watching online. You probably have the World Cup final on one side, and you're watching the service on the other side. That's, uh, that's okay. I know some of us are probably checking the score on, uh, even here. Okay. Regardless of what happened in the final, I, I know God is a merciful God. I know that for sure. And God will always be a merciful God. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. So I want to talk briefly. I just want to, in 25 minutes, maybe half an hour top, just take a look at the characters of the story of Christmas. The story of Christmas is probably the greatest story uh, ever told uh, that we all know. It's been told over and over again. Every year I try to go back to especially the book of Luke and kind of read the story. It's amazing. It's exciting. And just try to enjoy uh, the spirit of Christmas. Uh, get a fresh revelation, a fresh perspective, a fresh reminder of this faith that we have, this amazing relationship we have with God through Jesus Christ, uh, which has changed everything for all of us. It's changed our lives, changed our perspective. The greatest proof that God is real is really our changed life, right? Sometimes you, someone can argue and debate. Sometimes the greatest proof you can present to people is my life changed. 
accepting Christ actually changed my life personally. And that is a miracle by itself. So I like to really dwell on that. So I kind of, as I was studying it again afresh, I mean, it came to my attention that God, in putting together this amazing, amazing plan of salvation, involved a lot of characters. It wasn't just about Jesus. There were so many other people mentioned in the story and, you know, whose lives somehow intersected with the life of the birth of Messiah that are really equally important. And we can learn so much from them. And as I was meditating on that, and I, I think it occurred to me that that is actually our life. Our life is always part of a bigger story, even though most of the time we're not even aware of it. I doubt any of the people mentioned in the story knew they were part of a story. I don't think they knew. Many of them were, all of them really, or most of them were ordinary people living about their life as it were. They had different challenges, different issues going on in their life. I mean, they're just living their normal life. Unknown to them, their seemingly normal, regular, insignificant life is actually part of something grandiose. <laughs> if it's possible for them to say, I can't believe I found myself in the Bible. I'm sure that's what they would say. I'm, I'm not living my life so I can be part of a Bible, right? I mean, I'm sure they, they were just living their life uh, in whatever way they could. Some of them were really faithful to the assignment, to their life. Uh, some of them not so much. Uh, but all of them really found themselves a, as characters in a very, the sweetest story that ever existed. I think we're all still part of a sweet story. I think we're still all part of a big, grandiose purpose and plan of God. And maybe this Christmas we allow us to say, you know what? If I were a character in a big story being told by God, how will I be portrayed? How do I want to be portrayed? Maybe we can learn a few things from there. So I'll take a look at a few. Zachariah the priest and his wife, Elizabeth. The Bible described them in Luke chapter 1 from 15 through 19. They were older couple who were barren. I mean, they were not fortunate to have a child. I mean, that sounds like someone we know. Now, Zechariah happened to be a priest, happened to be a minister. Uh, you know, things didn't happen for them. They, they wanted to have a child. It just never happened. But they chose to continue to be faithful. Zechariah was of the family of priests. He would still go to the temple uh, and offer, you know, sacrifice and do his job. Uh, Elizabeth, his wife, they were living their normal life in a quiet suburban neighborhood, uh, still staying faithful to God in spite of a disappointment. I'm sure for them it will be a life. They were grateful to God, but they had one regret. We wish we had a child. And God decided, you know what, I want to choose this couple and make them a part of my story. So an angel appeared to Zachariah while he was doing his regular priesthood duty. And the angel told him that he's going to have a child. And of course, he's like, I'm old. <laughs> I know, I mean, maybe he's, uh, he thinks he's having a vision or whatever. I don't think this is real. Of course, the angel said, you doubted me. You should know better. You're not going to speak for nine months. Wow. And, uh, you know, that's the story. They, they eventually, they, they got pregnant and uh, gave birth to a, a child named John. John, the, who we know as John the Baptist. So John the Baptist became another major character. 
I think if it were a movie, they would call John the, what do we call the second most? We have the main character. What is the second person? Supporting character. So if Jesus is the main character, the lead character, right? John is the supporting character. So John was, you know, was a special child, was a prophet, you know, sent to reveal Jesus to the world. So John had no doubt he was part of a bigger story. He knew. Obviously, Zachariah and Elizabeth didn't know. And that's why many of us feel it's possible some of us during this Christmas, you know, there's some things we don't really like about our life, you know. Oh, had I known maybe I would have married a different wife or chosen. Had I known I would have married another husband. I wish I have three kids. You know, I wish I studied this. I mean, we all have our life full of some disappointment, some regret, something missing. Uh, But our life, you have to know, is still very important. It's still very significant. Zachariah and Elizabeth... They were such a couple. But we find out they are very significant to God. Praise the name of Jesus. Then we have the shepherds. By the time you go to Luke chapter 2, we now all of a sudden found some shepherds. We don't even know who they were. Names were not given to them. The Bible just said they were shepherds living out on the field. I mean, those are not people uh, anybody pay attention to. Shepherds are, you know, low-rank people. They are, in America, the working-class people. This, you know, people who, you know, they are okay. Nothing significant about them. You know, we call them low-working-class low or something like that. But God decided, you know what, I want to make this shepherd part of my big story. It's amazing. They were walking their field. They were keeping watch over their flock at night. All of a sudden, an angel appeared to them. And the angel said, I, I, you need to be part of this story. I, can, I mean, this is God making this choice, right? That somehow this shepherd, we don't know how they didn't, how they even qualify to be part of this story. But somehow God decides, you know, we need some shepherd in this story. And, uh, and I found me some faithful shepherd who will actually be able to do their part, right? And, you know, they were afraid the angel appeared to them. And the angel actually announced the birth of Jesus to them. Isn't that amazing? I mean, the announcement of the birth of Jesus was not made in the palace, was not made to uh, the most, the priest should have actually got that revelation first. I can imagine how, how pissed off they will be. I mean, so God chose you, shepherd. You don't even come to church regularly. <laughs> you, you're, you're always claiming you're working overnight. <laughs> and God chose Shepherd to make, I mean, an incredible announcement. I mean, just imagine that God is giving birth to his son, the only begotten son, who is going to be the savior of the world. And he went to them and he told them, they say, you know, Jesus is born. And of course, the shepherd responded, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. And they, they, they hurried up, they found Mary and Joseph lying in the manger. And they, you know, they were able to really experience this child who becomes the savior of the world. And they began to spread the news. That's amazing. Then we have another character mentioned, another group of characters. They got not, a so, not so much a favorable mention. They were the inn owners in town uh, who somehow didn't find, couldn't find a room for Jesus, for Mary to give birth. You know, 
We don't know who they were, but uh, that was also significant. It was because there was no room, and Jesus had to be born in the manger. So the inn owners had no room for Jesus. I think I've shared this story of, uh, you know, some inn owners that decided to pay back. If you are named Mary or, and Joseph, you can stay for free one night in Europe on Christmas Eve. That is to apologize to what they did 2,000 years ago. <laughs> Praise the name of Jesus. And maybe some of us are in owners now. No room for Jesus. I hope in this story that God is creating, you don't come down to be people who had no room for Jesus, who are too busy, too busy with what is going on in their life too busy with their own problem, too busy making money, too busy doing stuff, you know, working two jobs, going to school and uh, nursing two babies, you know. Too so busy with life that you don't have a room for Jesus. And that's the part they play. Then Jesus, and of course there are other parts, you know, we have Herod, who actually was going try to kill the dream. You know, they were also, Herod was also part of the story. You know, actually made an attempt to, to destroy God's plan. Uh, we don't have people like that here in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to talk about maybe two more people that played a huge role. One of them is a devout man called Simeon. And we see this in Luke chapter 2. By the time you move to Luke chapter 2, verse 35, or 25 rather. The Bible describes a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was devout. He was righteous. He was a faithful man. And the Bible says concerning him, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Holy Spirit is full of the Holy Spirit. Somehow God has revealed to him that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Jesus Christ. That seems like, I mean, a very deep man, you know, who had a personal revelation, personal conviction. I mean, I don't think anybody believed him in reality. I don't think anybody would have believed this guy. I don't think going around saying, God showed me, I'm going to see this, birth, this born, this, the Savior born, but he was a, was a man that is, full of revelation and conviction. Uh, we don't know why God chose him. He, he probably wouldn't be the most just person in Israel. But somehow God decides, Simeon, I want you to be part of this story. And the Bible says, so God revealed to him that he would not see death before he had seen Jesus. So he happened to be in the temple one day when the parent of Jesus Christ brought him for dedication, according to the, to the custom of the law. As soon as he saw that child, the spirit came upon him, that is Simon, and he said, wow, this is it. And he actually began to prophesy, and he said, your, part, your servant may now depart in peace. The guy was so old that he was praying for death. That what God said is not time yet. Amen. And God chose him to be part of this story. So maybe you are a Simon out there, you know, waiting for the promise of God. He's giving you a word. It's a word known to you alone. Nobody can believe it. You know, uh, you can draw some encouragement from the life of Simon. Simon got to see God's word fulfilled in his life by seeing Jesus Christ. Praise the name of Jesus. Then the Lord chose another interesting person. He's a prophetess called Anna. All right? The Bible says she was of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age. She was very old. She was married for seven years and she married as a virgin. So she didn't do anything wrong to lose her husband. 
So she lost her husband. She was a widow. Of about, it was eight, she was 84 years old. Typically, people got married in those times, maybe 18. So by the time she was 25, she became a widow. That seems like, you know, someone that had something bad happen to them. Not a very fun life. It seemed like she has lived. But the Lord needed to say, you know, even some, some people that, people look as, oh, life has been so cruel to you. Right? They're actually very significant for God. God. God can use even what seemingly look like not such a great life to make something beautiful in, 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 his, in his own plan. 84 years old. The Bible says this lady decided not to depart from the temple, but serve God with fasting and prayer. You know, and when she saw the child, you know, you know, the Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon her and she started to prophesy. So there are more and more people, because of time I'm going to stop there, just to say, you know, there are many characters. But the moral of this story is, we're all characters in God's biggest story. God's biggest story is the Great Commission, is the expansion of the kingdom. God's biggest story is the well-being of his people, his church. I will build my church. The gate of hell shall not prevail. God's biggest story is salvation of many, both locally and globally. God's biggest story is caring for the widows and the orphans. God's biggest story is go out and preach the gospel to all nations, make disciples of all nations. The story is still going on. The story hasn't ended. And we're all characters in, part in that story. And we all have a different role to play. Your role might seem insignificant to you. But God sees it differently. So don't discount your role. So these are some of the lessons. We are all characters in God's story. Each of us is a part of God's purpose and God's agenda. Even some things in your life that look like a disappointment, something you're not happy about, not so proud of, your issues, your challenges, your, your profession that you think is not that great, your uniqueness, happenstance, can really be something that God can use, can still be a part of God's story and God's powerful story that he's writing. Even our failures, when surrendered to God, can be part of God's bigger story. As we go about this Christmas, may we reflect on that. Our part may be little, but it is still very important to God's plan. So don't discount yourself. Let this Christmas give you a realization that you are significant to God. Your insignificant life is very significant to God. Many of the people that we mentioned here were not heroes. They were not leaders. They were not people that would appear on the front page of a newspaper ordinarily. They were not celebrities. They were not people that, you know, people with praise. But yet God decided they were important in his story. So your part may be little. In fact, 1 Corinthians 1.25 says, See your calling, brothers, not many wise, not by human standard, not many influencers, not many people of noble birth who are called. So it tells us our part may be little. It's still very significant. Your contribution might be little. You might say, oh, I wish during Titan offering, I can give a lot. No. Just do your part. That part still registers in heaven. Praise the name of Jesus.
Fulfilling God's purpose. And then the third lesson, I think I've given two now. now. We are all characters in God's story, right? Secondly, our part might be little, but it is still very significant and important to God. Number three, fulfilling God's purpose requires faithfulness. Faithfulness in little things. Just be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful to the word he's given to you. Simon kept that word. Press onto that word. Head onto that word. Be faithful with it. The shepherds were faithful in their shepherding. Zachariah was faithful despite being barren. Despite having faced disappointment. Things didn't happen on time. No child until old age. But he still remained faithful. The Bible says if you are faithful in little, we will be faithful in much. Hallelujah. So fulfilling God's purpose requires being faithful to our assignment. Are you faithful to your assignment? Are you faithful? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God is a good God. God is a faithful God. Lastly, we can all be a blessing. We can all be a blessing. This Christmas, we can all be a blessing. Our life can be a blessing. It doesn't matter what is going on this Christmas. Your life can be a blessing. And may God bless you even as you reflect this Christmas. May God keep you. May God give you a fresh perspective and a fresh revelation about your life, about your purpose, about your significance. In Jesus' name. Let's bow down our heads. Let's bow down our heads. I'd like to give you an opportunity if you're here. Maybe this message really resonates with you. Maybe you feel like you, have, you don't have a purpose. You feel lost. You feel insignificant. And as I was preaching, something is, something is telling you, you know, this is for you. And you would like me to pray for you. And I would love to. If you're in that category, can you raise, you know, raise your hand? Or maybe just stand up where you are so I can pray. I just want to pray. Just stand up where you are. Anyone, thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Any other person? You say, you know, this really hits me. This really hits me. I really, uh, I really feel I need to rediscover my purpose. God bless you. If you're watching online, you can stand up where you are. You can stand up where you are and be part of this prayer. I'd like to pray for you. I'd like you to put your hands on your chest as I pray. Father, I ask in Jesus' name, may these ones have a fresh encounter with you during this season. May they realize and discover what a place they have in you. May they discover how their life, their journey, their challenges, their problem intersect with your plan and purpose. How you can still use them for your purpose and for your glory. I pray that you will reveal yourself to them. Thank you because you've answered our prayer. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. God bless you.